and welcome back to another episode of Good Books, Bad Banter. I am your host, Maddie. And I'm Tori. And we're so excited that you're here this week because we are talking about Slaughterhouse-Five. Don't let Maddie's fake-ass excitement (laughs) trip you up because she's... Well, obviously, Tori's hostile today. Not feeling (laughs) (laughs) I am so amicable about this entire situation because as the episode goes on you will see i have um not a lot of opinions on this book and i think i really disappointed sorry <laughs> <laughs> i just want something like hate love anything indifference is the worst indifference i no, i think it's because i just ve- i'm very neutral about it because i see what you like about it Mm -hmm. but i also am like i don't think it had as significant of an impact that it obviously did on you and i feel bad that it's been lost on me it's fine (laughs) well not that it hasn't been lost i just i wish it would have hit more home and maybe because it was the time period that you had read it yeah the first time that you had ever read it i think maybe that had a little bit something to do with it i don't know could be but either way before we get into it, um, how was your week? Uh, <laughs> it was good. We had we a long weekend. Always. We did. We went to a UT tailgate, which was my first ever UT tailgate. Mine and it too. Was so fun. It was a fun time. We had a great time. And then we all came over to your new apartment we to hang did. out and play games. It was so fun. It was. It was a great time. Um, and then we went to Barton Springs and mm-hmm. did some reading. Y'all, we are now on TikTok, and we're yes, trying we are. to make some more reels, so make sure you're following along. It's good books, bad banter everywhere, so. Y'all, y'all have to go anywhere. see it. You have to go see one, because Tori had a really good one um, that she made with her and her partner, and it was so fucking funny, dude. I, I'm i telling you, I watched that. She <laughs> sent it to me. She's like, which one do you think is better? Because she had formatted it, formatted it a different way, and I was like, Bro, I don't care whatever one you want because I've literally been watching it like over and over and over again. I was pretty proud of it. I feel I, like I it was pretty it was funny. It was it's good. honestly so accurate because anytime I'm reading, I like turn to him and I'm like, can I tell you about this? <laughs> what does he say? He's, He's like, like, yeah, I don't care. And then I talk to him and I tell him, I'm like, it's fairies and they fall in love and they have <laughs> sex and there's a war. And he's just like what the fuck babe? <laughs> but i think he would like it if he read it and i <laughs> hopefully someday he'll read it you hear that aaron you ever gonna read that <laughs> maybe does he listen after he yep. graduates college or grad school because i just you know when you're in school you can oh yeah really he did say that the other night that he's like just give him a little bit of time to yeah. kind of just fall back into not associating reading with an assignment and yeah. i completely get that Completely. Especially he has like such dense reading because he's going to call or to grad school for engineering management, so it's like a really intense. But that does sound really intense. Maybe someday he'll read the Akatar series. Uh, I want to give him so many book recs. I just feel like I'm telling you, Aaron is like an enigma, and we've talked about this. I know, bro. He really is. Uh, like it is like I think I know him, and then he like jukes me left, and I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what the hell? That's funny. <sighs> but I love Aaron. He's he's great. He's awesome. 
So he's something that's for damn sure. But anywho, we made some funny TikToks anywho. and yes, we're just please gonna go keep look at going. them. And uh, go like all the reels that we have made on Instagram too, because we put a lot of effort into those. We do. Um, we try. And one of them, y'all, one of them popped off, like pop, like kind of <laughs> popped off, off, like. <laughs> I wish y'all could see me right now because I literally have a finger gun like waving it in the air right now because it legit like it blew up. You really gonna take a shot? Get it, get it. <laughs> I took a video that I can post. But it. yeah, like it really popped off. So go like that one video too. It's um a court of Mist and Fury. Uh, Mist and Fury, and it's literally Tori flipping through the pages. But it's, it's so funny what the best. goes off on social media. I'm telling you, the like things that make the things that go viral is just really, it's really interesting. I was telling um, I think I was telling Shelby about this because she's saying that she's not on TikTok, not a lot. Um, and she's like, yeah, it's like so interesting, like what like becomes popular on that app. I was like, it could literally be somebody like trying to do a dance, gets scared, and runs into like a door frame, and it has like 2.5 million likes. Yeah. It can be some really random stuff. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with social media just because it's my job. Mm-hmm. And so I like that it's so creative and, like, the funniest shit can, like, go off. But I also hate how, like, maybe it's just because my job is a little bit restrictive. I was about to I say, I was like, the only reason why you hate it is because you're not doing stuff that you actually yeah, like. Because I love doing the stuff for the pod. Right. Like, that's so fun to me. Right. No, yeah, because you're like, let's do this, let's do this, and, like, it takes, like, you know, two or three seconds, and you are always brainstorming different ideas. Yeah. Whereas, like, with work, it's always, you're like, oh, I have to do this, and I have to, like, yeah, stage it's, this, It's and so whatever. hard, because the only person whose face can really be on our social media is our CEO. Mm. Like, my face is in one video, and that's it, but it's, like, not on our feed. Like, it's covered on our feed. Gotcha. Which is fine, because I don't want old ladies going crazy for me, but yeah yeah <laughs> no Anyways, context my no context i i work for a uh, like fabric and cross stitch so it's like an older but like, you're like yeah sorry that's a really sounded so fucking weird to normal people oh my god well that was like the fact that that could just be, that was completely out of context i kind of wanted it to just stay that way but I'm s- fair i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> i was just like oh ladies I'm screaming it for you <laughs> Always, always. Like, what the fuck is this girl doing? Anyways, anyways, how, what's your updates? We kind of spent a lot of time together this weekend, so like we do. We've been spending a lot of time together, a lot more recently. Like just even like us starting this pod, we spend a lot more time together. Yeah, which is cool. I mm. I obviously love that. I mean, okay. Well, no, I absolutely I fucking hate spending time with you. <laughs> I, of course, sh- I love it. You freak. She hesitated, y'all. Oh, I'm gonna kill you. Also, everybody wish Maddie a happy birthday this oh. weekend because we're going to Marble Falls. We're renting a lake house. Well, her parents are renting it mm-hmm. for us. And we're all going to go party and celebrate her birthday. Yes, I'm turning 26 on Friday. So that's in two days after this episode comes out. So I can't believe I'm, I can't believe I'm already 26. Yeah, old man. woman. Oh, hush. You're older than me. I know. By just six months, though. Yeah, true. Um, But yeah, I can't believe it's already that time again of the year. And what is your birthday trip that you're doing? Oh, yeah. At the end of this month, I'll be in um, Seattle. But specifically, um, my two really good girlfriends, Melanie and Allie, we're all going on a um, 
Forks Twilight trip. Hell yeah, bitch. I'm so, so excited. So half of the trip will be in Forks, and then the other half will be exploring Seattle. So, But I'll, that'll be at the end of this month. Maybe I'll take some pictures and put it on the pod, take a few books. Oh, my God, you have to. I just got so excited about that. Uh, yeah, I, you have to make reels like her eyes oh my just God. like I wish you could have seen that, y'all. Her eyes just literally like lit up. So We're going to Ho Forest, too. What's that? Uh, I'll have to show you after this because okay. it's beautiful. We want to go hiking there or uh, we so are going jealous. hiking there. So um, but yeah, so those are kind of my updates. I finally, last thing is, is I finally moved in. I unpacked all my boxes. So now my uh, room looks like a jail cell and Tori can't confirm. It really doesn't. Babe, there's nothing on the walls. Yeah. Well, that takes a second to do, but you have oh, no. stuff out. It's just like my you bed. have a mirror and lamps and a bedside table. And Kirby's crate. Kirby's crate. And <laughs> you have your little, um, 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 what is that called? Clothes rack. Clothes rack. So I know, it but doesn't this look room like is so big. dead empty. It looks really empty to me. Because I've got a lot of space. Yeah. And I want to get a projector. Yeah, you got to do that. I got to do that. You got that big wall. It's perfect. I know. Anyways. Anyways. Okay. So let's get into the book. Um, star ratings. You can go first. Um, I'm going to give it a four and a half really four seven five was it different four seven five was it different reading it the second time as in have you read it again so this like is recently my, i don't remember if this is my third or my fourth time the mm. last time i read it was on the airplane okay um i definitely feel like i have a different perspective on it each time i read it mm-hmm. uh like the first time i read it i was just so confused like obviously i love the book but there are moments where I'm just like, what is going on in the House of Commons? Like, right. what the fuck? Yeah. The second time, I really leaned into the time travel aspect of, like, we can trust Billy Pilgrim and his uh, timeline of events and, mm-hmm. like, what his life actually was. And this time, I leaned more into the PTSD side of things. And, like, he literally is, like, losing his shit. Mm. So... And I kind of like that I, like, took a different perspective each time. Like, I kind of had to, like, consciously choose that. Right. But I feel like it just brings a lot to the book to see it from all the sides, you know? Right. What was your rating? <laughs> <laughs> just say it. Rip the band-aid off. I'm going to have to give it a one out of five. Boo, oh, you so whore. I just don't think this is the type of book that I like. That's fine. It's an intense book. It's not typically a book that I like either. Well, it wasn't even like... It wasn't intense. That's the thing. It's like... I don't know. It's it's I hard to like get through. It's I, not It's not intense in like the... Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like... I just... I don't think it's a... I just... It reminded me... It gave me a lot of PTSD to like english like junior english class and ib and writing like fucking stupid papers all the time not that it wasn't good there were moments where i was like okay um it had a lot of symbolism it had a lot of meaning like really embedded in a lot of the metaphors that it talks about its repetition of so it goes is very crucial to a lot of different things in the book even just the the actual fact that it is repeating so much Mm -hmm. and it's signifying of death um or a signifier of an ending, um, I thought was just, like, super, super, super interesting. And then going back and forth 
took me a second because the first chapter is really all very erratic it's very all over the place and it doesn't really give you a lot of context of where you're starting until like you get through it and you're like yeah okay he's talking about the book he's writing from his experiences in the war right so you don't start like in the actual story no you start outside you start of it before the story which is another reason i fucking love this book because it's so trippy like how often do you read a book where you start the book outside of the story that the book is going to be about but oh like it it's also like third is person. about that story because it's about him and it's, his experience it's like a third it's folded in on itself as like third person the whole book is omnipresent just like, perspective yeah it's i was telling tori i was like i can see how much you you like this book and where um where the significance of it lies especially in like the idea of war and that like why all of like these wars especially in history when the soldiers were so young and such a loss of just innocence uh, such a loss of just vitality in generations how it was so absurd and so brutal to the american psyche and to the history that eventually precedes it is insane like it's very impactful but i think for me i don't think these kinds of books are the ones obviously like i lean to um of course me either no but i mean like the fact that you love this book i'm still trying to piece together why like (laughs) like because it just it's not that you have an mo or you will have a type but you just don't peg me as somebody who is like I love this book, and it's about war. It is an anti-war book, but it's still de- describing the, like, descriptors of war. Mm-hmm. And that's what, not that I'm saying that you don't, like, like, violence is, like, what you look for or whatever, but it's just definitely not the tone that I would assume you would really, like, gravitate to and really, like, meld with your, like, moral compass and to, like, who you are and, like, no, like, this is, like, super, super impactful to me and, like, to my, like, childhood and i get like it may be in that time whenever you were younger and you first read it that it was something so profound that you're like yeah this is it well i think i didn't even like understand what it meant to me when i was younger Mm -hmm. like when i read it a few years ago you know like who i am has changed drastically since i read it when i was 17 right I mean, and I think that's indicative of who, of how you said that you read it, like what themes you focused on and which ones you did and you didn't. Yeah. And I think that develops, that shows the development of you as not only as a character, as a person, but like what you're able to like, obviously more recognize in characters, in stories, like what is traumatic and what is, I guess, very, um, I don't know, critical important to like who they are and to like the story itself yeah like cd like being able to read between the lines and even like further into that yeah because when you say like i'm not attracted to violence i'm definitely not like Mm -hmm. like i love marvel and stuff like that yeah like anything that's fantasy even that i i'm like i I don't like how it glorifies war right but this book it i don't think it glorifies war it's literally no it's satirical repulsive and the whole time you're reading it, you're like, 
ew, 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 like, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck, like, this is horrible, like, at no point is it just, like, anything other than, like, we're, like, children fighting in this war, we have no idea what's going on, like, ill-prepared, unsupported, like, I don't know, it's just, like, so anti-war from the beginning, so I, like, I don't know. Like, I didn't get that vibe, though. Like, I didn't get the anti-warness for a little bit. And I think because I, like, again, I had to kind of, like, take myself you, out this of... This is a book you have to sit with for a minute. No, I had to take myself out of ACOTAR and sit myself ass down and put my academic brain back on. Because <laughs> this one really, I mean, like, there, like I said, there is so much, like, literary devices that make this story, even if it's something very small in substance and like very simple in um not substance but like very simple in its writing like say Mm -hmm. for instance like the instance of it saying so it goes like that's just one line but the fact that it is so repetitive that it at the very beginning just tied to a meaning it eventually evolves with the story and becomes more significant as each time it's said yeah so but anyways so if you didn't know like we just completely went on a tangent yeah Um, that has spoilers in it I think. I guess yeah. this book doesn't really, like, per se have spoilers. If you haven't read this book, uh, you know, go read it, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's going to push your boundaries of yeah. reading and the way you think. And go at it with an open mind. Maddie Lake is like, no. Go <laughs> don't read it. Don't have, it <laughs> don't have any expectations whenever you're going into it. I didn't. And I, um, again, I think it's just... These books, I just... I'd say don't be afraid to look stuff up while you're reading it either. Like, Mm -hmm. and at the end of it, if you still have questions, like, look things up and, like... Because once you understand the meaning behind some of the stuff, it also drastically changes the way you perceive the story. Uh, yeah. I mean, because I looked up... I was looking up stuff on Wikipedia and, like, looking at things. And I even looked up Kurt Vonnegut, like, to see a little bit more of his history and stuff. Mm. And to see how all of this kind of tied in together. And, um, again, I just don't think... I understand and I get and I recognize the importance of it. I just don't think it, like, really melded with me as much as it, it does with you. Yeah, which that's sucks. fine. Wait, wait, I mean, it doesn't suck. It just shows that we're just two different readers, which is completely normal and fine and cool. But um, to give a very brief synopsis without any spoilers, um, this book is basically about a uh, unre- an unreliable narrator who is talking about um, the a battle in uh, World the, War Two, the Dresden firebombs that happened in World War Two. Yes, and um, his journeys of going back and forth into time, sort of thing. Um, Do you want me to explain it? Yeah. Instead? <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> I thought I like, I mean, I, I know it's his stories, but there's also some very like, sci- not science fiction, but like some very yeah, like. there's some science fiction in there. Yeah, science fiction elements. It's not like. um Not fully. Entire, yeah, not the entire Okay, story. so um, Kurt Vonnegut was in World War II. Mm-hmm. And so basically this is him processing his trauma mm-hmm. that he experienced. So in the beginning of the book. We are experiencing things from Kurt Vonnegut's point of view of Mm -hmm. his actual life. And then he goes into the story of Billy Pilgrim, who is basically him. Mm -hmm. And you see him in the war 
And once he's in the war, he time travels. And you have to figure out if this is actual time travel, if it's him just trying to cope with war, if it's PTSD, whatever have you. You can decide. It's a choose-your-own-adventure, basically. It's it's more choose-your-own-belief. Choose what you decide to believe. Yes. That's what I mean. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, like, very literal now because, like, I had to turn it on. <laughs> the practicality literal side of my brain. Um. Anyways. Working so at full speed at the moment. You are going along with Billy as he goes. It's, it's kind of like two timelines, but more than that. The first timeline is him in the war. Him going through the war. And then the other timeline is, like, the rest of his life. And he just basically, like, ping-pongs around. And, like, uh, imagine, um, what are those fucking games? Why can't I think of it? I don't know what you're doing. tennis? No, the the arcade game. The paint with the paddles. That's, why can't I fucking think of it? I know what you're talking about. Ski ball? The air hockey? No, not air hockey. Like where you have the two paddles and you click the ball and it goes boom, 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 boom. Pinball. Is it pinball? Yeah. Okay. That's what I meant. Basically, that's the timeline of this book. It's a pinball machine. One of them. One of the timelines. Like, well, the entirety of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's like bouncing around his whole life, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's very interesting. It's going to push you as a reader to like think deeply about like what is happening and what it means and like i said it's a choose your own adventure you choose what you want to believe and then you can form your lens around it or you can try and look at it from all the angles Mm. Mm -hmm. and i think um yeah that's it yeah. yeah pretty much it's not really like that wasn't really spoiler free None of this is really spoiler-free, this episode. but It's really hard to be fo- spoiler-free with a classic because most of these stories don't really have spoilers in the plot. They are just talking about ideas and they're talking about, like, philosophies and they are yeah. satirical and they are, like, satirical commentary on a lot of different, like, historical facts. So a lot of these things have already happened. So it's hard to be like, oh, they're based on, like, events that actually happen. They're not, like, a story yeah. where these characters are made up and this world is made up and this plot has, But it's like, also not, like, it's there's driven. a twist ending. Like, he literally, like... No, there's no... Yeah, there's no surprises. about his whole life. Right. There's no surprises and stuff. So that's, again, that's, that's the reason why right there's away. really no, like, spoilers to what happens in this book. Yeah. So. Okay. But, um... Okay, As we so go on, let's let's kind of go and move on into the actual discussion part of this book and what we did and what we didn't like. You can tell me um, some different things and kind of maybe share what you think on some of the perspectives and I can kind of tell you what I thought of it. Did you happen to read uh, this first page where it no. says Slaughterhouse-Five? So <laughs> it says Slaughterhouse-Five or the Children's Crusade. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. And then it says um, by Kurt Vonnegut, and then it gives a description of who he is. And I just love it, so I'm going to read it. (laughs) It says, a fourth-generation German-American living in easy circumstances on Cape Cod and smoking too much, who, as an American infantry scout, or as de 
bat. I don't know if I said that correctly. As a prisoner of war witnessed the fire bombing of Dresden, Germany, the Florence of Elbe, I didn't say that correctly, <coughs> a long time ago and survived to tell the tale. This is a novel somewhat in the telegraphic schizophrenic manner of tales of the planet Tralmafador. I can never say it. Where is it? Where the flying saucers Tral- come Tral- from. Peace. Tralmafador. 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 Even back when I first read it, I could never remember how to pronounce it. Oh, Tralfamador. Tralfamador. Okay. That's what it is. Because that's what James Franco said in the... In oh, the, he read it? He reads it on Audible. Isn't he a bad person? Yeah. That sucks. Because I bet that's a sick reading of this book. Yeah. No? I mean, his voice is nice. But, like, at the same time... Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, the first quote that I'm absolutely obsessed with is the very first line... All this happened more or less because I just think that's exactly correct of everything in life because like literally we I think this is so funny because like last week I told you I was, my favorite part in chapter 55 was like do you love me he nods and he's like okay e. and you're like that's not my favorite part like you're like I hate that and then literally this, this week you're like all this happened more or less. That's how I feel. <laughs> like how you it's feel. Like, uh, like how you feel about how I was like, there was no significance in what I thought was significant. I mean, what you thought about that chapter is definitely significant. No, no, no. But like those two lines, like that, that oh, part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, I'm not talking more. about the entirety of the chapter. Both of us knew how like significant it was in the story, but the fact that like that was like what i found significance from it's funny that something as mundane because you thought it was mundane you're like that's not significant and then afterwards you're like this is what's really good and like your part what you talked about was good too but i think it's just funny because like you're like this has meaning or like this holds better meaning than what you said and like not better meaning not better but like this is like what you thought was more powerful yeah um so then in page two we always already have a so it goes Mm -hmm. which and i thought that was just gonna be something that was gonna happen i thought that was just the one-time thing and then i was like oh oh no every time someone or something dies it's or it's an alliteration to like an ending it's not so much as like ending of a person it's just like an ending of event and it's usually death it's usually but it's like it's some kind of death like but part but it's not necessarily always people no they talk the about like dogs and uh, other things as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. but he it's like so what i love about it is it's both beautiful and shitty to say so it goes about someone dying because <clears throat> you say so it goes because in this book you come to learn his ideals and beliefs are that no one is actually truly ever dead because they live on in every single moment they've ever had Mm -hmm. but also like multiverse essentially but also it's like a way to remove yourself from dealing with it you say so goes and you move on so it's like that duality of it's a thought terminating word like it's a thought terminating like process and it's a, a process it's like a phrase that gets your mind to like cut off like it's like after that like okay it's done move on it's like saying yeah that's fine or you're like sure that's fine or that's okay or 
something to that effect like it's a thought terminating phrase right and it like lets him avoid feeling and Mm -hmm. processing which he does throughout the whole fucking book he does not like really deal with his emotions or his life really like he lets a lot of things wash over him like he (coughs) is not he does not like stand up for anything billy pilgrim i should say Mm -hmm. not current which is interesting that his name is billy pilgrim because pilgrims were basically called like the first colonizers like they were trailblazers they were discoverers like here in the united states but they also were very much glorified in history of um and idolized in history as like you know good people and good settlers and Mm -hmm. you know humble beginnings type thing and that kind of censorship and that kind of um cleansing in history when in reality a lot of those pilgrims were ex-cons they were rebels they were people who were exiled they were people who had seen um you know traumatic things and like they weren't these like innocent you know sort of settlers that a lot of historic like historical books and historical texts say that they were so it's interesting that his name is billy pilgrim because he's kind of trailblazing his thought process and his whole trauma into this book and at the same time, he's seemed as innocent as, like, you know, very unknowing, very, like, d- indifferent to a lot of different things. He just is, like, there. He's kind of just existing a lot of the times. Like you said, he doesn't have a stance on anything. Um, so I think it's very interesting that he's called a pilgrim because he's supposed to be trailblazing a different path. And at the same time, he is because he doesn't have a – he has such a neutral tone to everything. So, therefore, like, it's that same kind of – like thinking and idolization of fatalism which was very much kurt vonnegut's like thing back in the day did that make any sense some of it so (laughs) because you're looking at me like wait but um but yeah i'm also just letting you complete your thoughts so Mm. yeah um because i did some research and i was like um fatalism is the like philosophy like the philosophy that Things are happen in fate or things are destined or like woven in destiny mm-hmm. in your fate. So why work for those things if they're already in your fate? So to not, to just let it, it's Basically, a very neutral habit. It, it's a very neutral, very planetive like um, thought process on life that it's like what everything that is decided in your life is fate. Yeah. And destiny. And he talks about this with the aliens a lot. Mm-hmm. Like they say, have you ever seen a bug in amber? Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's like that's it's, kind it's of always like been that way. It always will be that way. That's just how it is. Mm-hmm. And that's because I thought I really liked that um, alliteration and that imagery of of Amber because it is like a fossilized pocket of time. Like it's always the same time in that in that Amber for that bug or for that specimen or for whatever it is that it's preserving. Like that preservation is like that's each moment in your life that is a pocket and like a pill of amber. Yeah. And that's how they like say like every moment is stuck like that. Mm-hmm. So like I <coughs> when we did our intro episode, I think I talked about how this book and then 
uh, Interstellar, they like really shape the way I view time because mm-hmm. they're similar in that like every moment is happening all at once, all the time. Like, but in separate entities. Yeah, like realities, basically. But a prison, <clears throat> a fourth dimension. I know you said that you didn't see that this was like an anti-war book right away. I mean, I can see it, but I also like. It is an anti-war book, but there is obviously still so much description of war, and it's a satirical book. Like, I get it. Like that, you have to have a lot of description of war in a satirical manner to be an anti-like war book because that's the point. It's yeah, to be to made show funny, ha- how right. awful it is. But on page three, he's having a conversation. He goes, "Is it an anti-war book?" Yes, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, so it says right away that but it's like you anti-war. can't rely. You can't necessarily rely on the narrator especially somebody who's just reading it once you don't know whether or not it is an anti-war yeah, book or not i guess because this is the first chapter when it's kurt vonnegut and not billy pilgrim yet like but I, you see but you wouldn't know that until yeah you do you know later. that it's kurt vonnegut in the beginning how do you know it's kurt vonnegut because he's talking about how he's gonna write the book could just be somebody else i see what you're playing at but no <laughs> He's like, he's like, this all happened more or less. Immediately, going to be questioning whether or not who the hell this person is. <laughs> well, let's take this part at face value. Not, not at face value, but at more of a reality and truth than the rest of the book where he's Billy Pilgrim. At least that's how I take it. Mm. But I just thought it was interesting. Like, I just wanted to also note then in that part where he says, why don't you just write an anti-glacier book instead? Right. Because of the impossibility of how can you have an anti-war book whenever there's just war has become ingrained in so many people's different um, brains that it's our nature, which in reality, I don't, I truly believe it's not, but it's too profitable. Yes. Very profitable and very economically like. Booming, because, you know, your economy is boosted by war and war efforts. So, but um, I was telling Shelby, I think the reason that this book, I had such a hard time getting, like, that this book's purpose and um, overall, like, super, like, influence is that this book was written 60 years ago. Yeah. 70 years ago. The world was in a different place. The vernacular alone is like... The world, yeah. and But the world was in a different place. Historically, a lot of things were happening. This book was published in 1969. Um, so I think historically, it was obviously more impactful and influential to the people that were living in these in these decades that were just riddled with conflict, with international and global conflict and controversy over those of whether or not we needed our influence in those different wars or conflicts i mean the same is still i keep saying conflict <laughs> yes and no because if you think about it we were in a different military strategic war until the 2010s at least a little bit but it wasn't as much of a um as impactful or like as um 
what am I trying to say? As severe as like World War II. Like we haven't had another one like that. Like where the entire country, we have rations, people are being drafted into the war, people are leaving their families because out of not out of choice but out of mandate Mm -hmm. and these whole generations of people there is no like there's no that mass patriotism of like having to go and defend a country and as a nation have to rally into a different type of society to make it to the other side of this conflict or this like make it to the other side of this war there has not been one in our like lifetime of course there was afghanistan but that was so different in comparison to what that was. So, and, like, even what Vietnam was. And Vietnam was so wrapped up in so much different controversy. Yeah. Like, and whether or not we should have ever been there in the first place. And whether or not, I had a, a classmate who argued that the Vietnam War was actually just a genocide. Because the entirety of the war truly was not for, like taking territories because in most wars or in most like battles and stuff that is national in that way um is usually taking over like places like occupying different like parts of the city and eventually moving in and taking different like parts and area of a geographical area right it's not so much of the body count of what the vietnam war was it was more like well we killed this many soldiers this is like what it was important because they had a battle of like for a specific hill i think um and the presentation that i remember my like past student was or not past student my past colleague was doing he's like this hill they fought for five days and they were murdering all these people or like shooting them all because they were the enemy and they literally got this hill after the five days and left immediately like 12 hours afterwards because like the actual geographical place had no meaning it was the amount of people that they were able to kill actually had meaning and that's not like traditional war or traditional quote-unquote war so that's why it made it so much more of a like is that really is this really a like (coughs) is this really advantageous like you know what i mean this isn't a traditional warfare type of um setting sort of thing yeah so but anyways um so like i was saying to shelby i think it's because like those historical events are just so lost on our generation because we didn't live through them we see them through records and we see them through our like grandparents and those who have fought in it but they are not to us they are not relative to like what we did we never lived through these events mm-hmm. right and i think because we haven't been able to see those things i feel like that kind of this power that is embedded in these words and the allegory and the alliteration and everything else that is tied into this book i think is lost a little bit on our generation because we didn't we didn't live through it we didn't live through any of these things yeah silence (laughs) i i don't know silence i don't know I don't think it's lost. I wouldn't say, well, maybe not lost, but I just don't think that it's, it's not there. Like, the thing is, is like, I get, I understand it. It just doesn't resonate like how it does because I've never had to like go and see my dad off to war and go and, you know, lose my family and have my loved ones come back and 
trying to I guess grapple with the fact of the things that they saw if they were you know lucky enough to come back I didn't have to go through the fact that I had to go work in a factory and make bombs and shit and you know I also didn't have to go and fight back for my rights after the war ended so there's just a lot of different things I think that were wrapped up in the 19th or the 20th century that we did not have obviously we were not alive for so i think a little bit of it culturally is lost on us so in some senses it's not saying that it doesn't have significance it's just that that connection and how much weight that it holds is in its own amber in 1969 (laughs) I love your wraparound there. So, in its own little amber pocket in 1969. And I think that's where it had the most resonance. You know, like whenever you throw a pebble into the water and it rings out. And the rings get less and less defined. I think we're on those outer rings. and in as Which is fucked up, though. Because this is like a huge historical thing that was horrible. The Nazi Germany. Oh, no. Like, yes. War. Like, we need to make sure that we don't. Like, I'm not saying that we should like its... leave or like let it lose, but I think again, we have lived, we have advanced as a society, and also have taken steps back. But there's this dichotomy now that we have advanced so far ahead that some of these things make it harder for us to relate to those like struggles because we no longer have though that's you know that gap has gotten so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I think. It's not that we're like the the bare bones of this book and the principles and the morals of it is still applicable to today. But what I'm saying is that the I understand what you're saying. I don't want you to take my silence as like I'm I'm dumbfounded or anything like like okay. I understand what you're saying. Well, that's what usually most people his like historically in my life whenever people are just silent and just looking at me glazed over i'm, I'm usually not glazed like, over i promise i'm like usually mm, i've lost their attention so that's the only reason why no i'm fully listening so anyways that was my kind of uh that's so funny that you say that because i do that with carly and aaron too like i listen and i don't always like say words right away and they're like are you even listening i'm like i'm fucking listening <laughs> i just don't always have something to say right away like that's so funny that you said that and it's so funny that i'll be able to take that back to them and be like it's not just you two like mm-hmm. i do it with everyone like sometimes i'm just like okay you said what you said yeah i mean like i said i think um i think this these books that are written in the 50s and the 60s they're it's a they're importance is not lost it's just not um it's just you can tell it's time time capsuled into that time Mm -hmm. so and it's it's interesting to see that like whenever you read it you're like this was a different world that um really became um i guess um not influenced but what am i trying to say I don't remember. It was mm-hmm. just it was just a different world at that time. Mm-hmm. So, and what people were exposed to, you know what I mean, and uh, you know technology, like 
the entirety of that whole, you know, technological advancements that we've had since in the past 20 years, 22 years that we've changed centuries over. So I think it's just leaps and bounds different of what we are now to what we were then. So. Okay, I'm going to like redirect. Go ahead. (laughs) I think I just basically talked in circles. (laughs) Um. Well, I'm just going to, like, bring it back to, like, the stuff that's actually happening in the book instead of, like, the more theoretical that mm. you're talking about. Well, this book made me very I theoretical. About really Canadian, like. <clears throat> Real Canadian. Um, so, when we're still in the Kurt Vonnegut point of view, he talks about how he goes to visit his old war buddy and his wife, his old war buddy's wife is, like, pissed off, basically. Mm-hmm. And what she's frustrated about is, like, she eventually, like, just kind of, like, breaks and is, like, you were just babies. Like, you were just babies when you were sent off to this war. Mm -hmm. And then that's when he says, I'm going to name it the Children's Crusade for you. Mm -hmm. And so I just, like, to, I just, like, wanted to point that out because, like, at the beginning I read that page and it was, like, Slaughterhouse-Five or the Children's Crusade. And so, like, he kept that promise to her. And then also, um, he like dedicated the book to her and then him and O'Hare, his war buddy went back to Germany and they met a taxi driver there who was also in the war. And he says like in a note, um, like I hope to meet you like in another life where there is peace if the accident will. And that is another like smaller phrase that I absolutely love in this book. And it's brought up like another time in the ser- in the book. But I'm just going to like literally be pointing out the things that I love about this book. <laughs> that you can agree <laughs> or not. <laughs> I don't have anything that I love about this book. I know. <laughs> but the thing is, is I, I don't think I, I don't think I focused in on like the specifics of it. I think I just got the big picture. And that is the reason I think we experienced this book very differently. We did. But I think that just also shows our different, like, um, like processing types, too. Yeah. Because, I mean, there are definitely, there was definitely um, moments and sentences in the book that I was like, wow, that's pretty powerful. But um, at the same time, I was like, okay. Yeah. And, I mean, you touched the on The Tramfamadorians. <laughs> you touched on the part where, like, we still send, like, children off to war, basically. Mm-hmm and let's see i feel like youth is still coveted in like the army it's still i mean that's why they have army recruiters in high schools that's what i was about to say i was like i think it's kind of crazy that we still are like gung-ho about getting wayward 18 year olds into um you know structure facility and organization like the military that we're so like, no, you need structure, you need organization, you need command, you need um, authority. And a lot of these people, I think, just need help. <laughs> and it's not so much that as they just need an easily manipulated population to do their bidding so that they can make money. And that's like literally. Right. It. Because the military is super pop- profitable and um, a lot of money goes into the military. I mean, a lot of money continues to go into military and war efforts and um, anything that's kind of related in those branches. 
people go to the military because it is kind of a beacon of hope for especially for people who are maybe in not so nice socioeconomical positions in life where all these benefits are so appealing they're so appealing because they've never had any of these things and these opportunities ever presented to them like my mom she thought that she was going to go into be in the navies because they were going to pay for her school yeah she's gonna that's go how they get a lot of people yeah they'll pay for your school and they'll pay for you to go back to school and that you get a salary and that you know all these different things of like security and stability that a lot of people that they're preying on may never have experienced which again i think that's manipulation at its highest order and it's most sophisticated corporal type what are you reading um just some more things that i marked off which uh, one other quote like a lot of these quotes in the beginning are like some of my favorites of all time like i've had them written across multiple journals and like Mm -hmm. whatnot since i was younger but um when he writes i asked myself about the present how wide it was how deep it was how much of it was mine to keep Mm -hmm. it's like one of my favorite fucking quotes of all time that and about death being a purple light mm-hmm. or a, it's like a, vi- a purple a violet flash a violet a violet light. light and a hum mm-hmm. that's like another one of my favorite quotes anyways but please uh, we cannot go line by line on this book i'm, I'm not gonna <laughs> or page by page rather <laughs> don't worry i'm not going to we're also going to talk about poo to tea Poo tea wheat, though, because that's also significant because it's the last line of the book mm-hmm. and it's mentioned in the very beginning. And it's always like been like a feeling for me when I've read this book, like rather than like a formed thought, I guess. Um, and like leading up to the first poo tea wheat, it's uh, there's nothing intelligent to say about massacre and everything is supposed to be very quiet after massacre and it's always is except for the birds what do the birds say all there is to say about a massacre things like pooty wheat which is basically translated into the same thing said about like there is nothing to fucking say like it's horrible no matter like what way you look at it Mm -hmm. and like just like how we do it willy-nilly basically yeah and i just think that's an important quote as well. Okay. Um, let's look on to my notes. So now we get into actual Billy Pilgrim and his time travels to the planet with the aliens that are just hands with eyes in the middle of them, basically, which makes me think of Ferris too. <laughs> Because she has an eye in the middle of her. Oh, my God. <laughs> Isn't that fucking funny? Oh, my God. Um, I think of it as funny because whenever they, like, close their hand around their eye, he knows he's being stupid. Or what he said is stupid. Yeah. And I think that's funny. And we're like, ha <laughs> like, And then literally he like, asks, like, bitch. What, what, how he's being stupid or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you're being stupid just because you are stupid. Just as everybody else is stupid in this world. <laughs> yeah. Basically, humans are trash was what we gather from this book um i love how his poor daughter has to deal with like the fallout 
of him losing his marbles and dealing with his PTSD. Uh-huh. And also he thinks he's like in love with and has a baby with a porn star on the alien planet. Mm-hmm. And then I also like hate how fucking like misogynistic that Billy Pilgrim is because his wife deserves better. So much fucking better. Valencia? Yeah. Yeah. She literally died because she was rushing to him at the hospital. Because of carbon monoxide because she got in a crash. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, yep, that'll get you. <laughs> that, that'll get what you. What sweet words do you have? <laughs> well, yep, carbon monoxide. But we'll also, you. Billy Pilgrim's life is absolute garbage. It's, it's funny because so it's funny apathetic. that he says that or you say that because, I mean, in the book he, to him, he says that he's seen his life already before he even marries Valencia. And he said that it's tolerable anyways. It's a bearable life. It's a bearable life for the most part. Right. I'm saying like this man, he was in the war. He survived the Dresden firebombing. Mm-hmm. He survived like being behind em- enemy lines and then being captured with these first off horrible other people. Especially the one guy who is, like, obsessed with war, which I have a comment about that, too. Um, But he goes from, like, being in the war, all that stuff, and then he's in a plane crash and suffering from this severe PTSD where he thinks he's literally traveling through time. And he's experiencing in detail these events from the war again. Mm -hmm. But... Hit the co-capture, like, the the dude who was also, because there was the four of them, right? The two scouts and then the one anti-tanker guy. Mm-hmm. He's, like, so obsessed with fucking war. And that's the other side of the dangers of it is these people who are so fucking obsessed with... Warmongers. That shit. And they join the military. Mm-hmm. And then they, like, get out and they are still, like, f- obsessed with that shit. It's, like, s- another reason that i don't like (laughs) any of that shit because those people who are already like scary get into that and i just feel like it's it's just like such a dangerous system we've created oh yeah i mean if you look at the whole of the institution of america it's a dangerous system we've all created yeah it's a system set up set up for failure it's a system that is obsolete and that a lot of people don't want to say that it is and isn't and unfortunately, you have to have a country and a Kim, a national mindset that is going to be a little bit more open to change and to reformation and to continuously evolving. And unfortunately, I think Americans have gotten very used to the expectations of this country and the standard, which sucks. But either way, um, like I said, I listen to this on audiobooks. I don't have specific things picked out so much. Um, And James Franco's voice kind of made the it made the story come to life, too, in a sense. But it also was like, (sighs) was he lame? (laughs) No, he was good. It's just his voice because, like, you know, he's a bad person. So, yeah, I get that. Kind of sucked. His was voice was deep. Oh, sorry. And he did really good voices of, like, other characters. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'd like to hear his alien one. 
It was just regular. Oh. Lame. I know. <laughs> I wanted something He's like, squeaky or something. Like how Brittany Broski does different TikToks of just being an alien commander. And he's like, that was so niche. I have no idea what you're talking about. And then people in the comments are like, affirmative. What the actual fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Never seen that, but. Brittany Broski pretending to be an alien commander. And it's like, point of view, you're an alien commander trying to eliminate the human race. And she's like, like, just making noises. Wow. That's very interesting. And the people in the comments are hilarious because they're like affirmative. Yes, wow. Captain. I've never seen that on my <laughs> TikTok. Obviously, you're not a Brittany Broski fan. I mean, I she's funny, but I'm not in her alien videos, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the ones in her rat videos where she's a rat? No. Oh, my God. Those are funny, too. I like watching her do like her p- little podcast clips yeah i listen to her podcast weekly <sighs> but okay let's move on yeah i'm trying to think of where we should move on to just got to like the middle of the book like anything that was like super significant to you like is there a time where he's with the aliens and you're just like whoop i thought it was interesting that he was uh kept in like a zoo and he was like just kept Observed as like a specimen. Mm-hmm. But then we put a sheet over the, the his enclosure to make it seem like night because there was only one hour of darkness for every sixty two. Yeah, it's like a dome almost mm-hmm. that he's in, like a terrarium. Yep, so they can observe him. Mm-hmm. And they ask him questions, and um, they just are like, "Are you happy here?" He's like, I'm not as happy as here as I am on Earth, or I was on Earth. You're like, what was the one thing that you learned from the Tremafamidorians? And I can't remember exactly what it was. But it was a basically a question. that was like, oh, I remember. He was asking how people, how the Tremafamidorians have figured out how to live in peace. Because nobody on Earth has been able to do that. Mm. Like, how can be a species of the same... The same species live together in harmony and in peace because he's never known a world where that's ever been um, achievable over in on Earth because people they have been going to war for so long. So and I was like, but oh, they say wow. they have war on their planet too. They just only focus on the good and ignore the bad. Well, I thought that the alien tour guide basically he closed his hand saying like you're being stupid. So and um. Yeah, I think that's what, yeah, you're right. I think he was just like, look, like, there's always going to be conflict, but, like, you can't But I'm saying, dwell. like, so the alien, right, is saying you only focus on the good and you ignore the bad, which is a callback to him with the Sokos and everything else where he literally just focuses, quote, unquote, on the good, even though he really doesn't even do that in his life. And right. he ignores the bad. Again, ignore the bad. Ignore the bad. Ignore the bad. Keep, keep pushing down these emotions. Keep, like, not processing your shit. Mm-hmm. And, like, the PTSD just gets I think worse it's just, like, it's a very, uh, like Shelby said, um, my roommate, she's like, it's a very numbing ideal of living life. It's like you just keep numbing the pain and numbing what you're, yeah. you're trying to feel and, like, 
not um not giving it the recognition it needs to process it all the way it's just constant like i can't tell you any other like i can't alliterate it any other way of like it's just a line it's like he's just life is passing by him he's a very and he's apathetic just, person yes okay. like life is just sitting there and like he's just sitting there and letting life pass on by him and he's completely okay with it like he's okay with it because that's the philosophy that he said to utilize to help him get through living especially even after this time of after him living through the war yeah and as we get further into the book like uh his life ping pongs around more Mm -hmm. um and timelines and like where he is and at some points like he doesn't even know like where he is or how he got there um and then this was another little random detail that i just remembered that i love so much um is when billy pilgrim know he's knows he's gonna die Mm -hmm. he like is wandering through his house and um he answers the phone in his daughter's room i believe because she like just went on her honeymoon Mm -hmm. and he answers and he goes but i could i could smell the mustard gas and roses he always refers to smelling mustard gas but billy pilgrim doesn't kurt vonnegut does so what billy pilgrim is saying is that kurt vonnegut is on the phone because he answers the phone and through the phone he i can thought throughout the, the entirety of the of the book it's just I in the beginning chapter when kurt vonnegut i promise you i thought he always refers to things as mustard gas because i could have sworn that was like uh, something that I noticed too that he uh, anything that he smelled anything it was always mustard gas that was associated w- along with it it was like a smell like roses mustard gas well it's talked about in the beginning because Kurt drinks and then he calls people mm-hmm. and that's like one of his symptoms basically of like PTSD mm-hmm. and he's like my wife doesn't care for my mustard gas and rose breath but my dog doesn't care oh uh-huh um about like what it smells like mm-hmm. and so billy pilgrim doesn't talk about that at all only kurt does so then when it's brought up when billy pilgrim says i picked up the phone and i smelled that it's because it's kurt vonnegut on the phone basically at least that's my interpretation of it because no other part of billy pilgrim's story says mustard gas and roses it's only kurt's in the very first part from his pov okay as long as i'm remembering it correctly which i'm like 95 percent sure i am but i like love that detail because he wrote himself into the story even though the story is already about him like it's just like a mind fuck kind of and i like that mm-hmm. i feel like you're like nah <laughs> yeah i'm like mm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, I get, like, how it can be, though. Like, how smart it is and stuff. Because there's moments and whatnot, like, for instance, like, Six of Crows. I know this is pretty basic. Or it's kind of um, a completely different example. But Lee Bardugo, you know, puts so many different twists and turns that, like, even as somebody who is trying to, like, figure out what's going to happen in the story, I never figure it out. And I am so amazed how things come back around into the story to be relevant. Like, how readers tie in those really small details to come back 
full circle almost mm-hmm. within and like how the story folds over and cycles over in itself to be a complete like retelling a complete novel a complete recount whatever mm-hmm. this entire like you know narration which is so cool so that's what i'm saying that it's like it's really it's really really neat but i don't think i even picked that up because again i was i'm listening to it so i'm like yeah that's but that's why i keep rereading books even when i've listened to them for our podcast mm. like you're like you're reading that again or you're listening to that again and it's like because i'm still gonna catch more Excuse when me. i'm reading the physical book and like taking notes i on, think that's like, why i don't I ever need to take notes and like i don't need well not take notes i probably should i feel like my mind would be my thoughts would be a lot more clearer and like me talking to you if i mm-hmm. did take notes and i need to um i think it's the reason why i don't need to reread books over again because i read them whereas like sometimes most of the time you're usually listening to them first and then you read them over yeah but like even i never noticed that detail until this time i read it this is my third or fourth time reading that oh so like i like rereading books because no matter how many times you read you're always gonna be like oh fuck i forgot that detail or like oh shit i didn't put that together in the first time i read it mm-hmm. and that's why i like rereading books but but i can't reread books as soon as you reread them i have to have time in between mm. for me at least like i need the time like away because I don't feel like I can ever really enjoy it. Like, I'm, I'm writing on the high of reading the book that I had, rereading the book. And if I've, not for that I've forgotten it, but there's been time for it to sit. I can feel like I can have that same feeling renewed. Yeah, I get again. that. I get that. Um, I also want to mention how horribly, like, they obviously treat PTSD and understand it back then. Uh-huh. Because he talks about how he randomly weeps. Billy Pilgrim, he's like, I randomly weep sometimes and no one knows but my doctor. Mm-hmm. And all his doctor does is prescribe him naps. Yep. He's like, I've been told that I need to take a nap every day. So that way I, I don't have my fits of crying. Even though nobody knows that I cry. It's just something that I do usually on my own. I remember. I remember that. Yeah. It's just freaking heartbreaking. okay next page it's heartbreaking to see that like that's just trauma and but it's also like very encouraging to see how much we have embraced the idea that trauma is very important and very um yeah we still treat it like garbage i mean we do but just looking you have to give it you have to give some credit to where credit is due we Especially, like, as, like, our younger generations and, like, even our generation, we have advocated so much for mental health that it's starting to become a more widely talked about topic. Maybe not accepted, but the fact that it's even being talked about and being in normal conversation, that's a big thing. Yeah. It's a big thing that people say, yeah, I go to my therapist. Nobody bats an eye. Yeah, no, I'm, I guess I'm, like just in spirit with the book like especially thinking about like veterans and how like yeah i don't think that there's good like you know mental support and mental health support but i do think that there has been a revolution in getting more mental source mental health source resources and to recognizing that veterans are not going crazy that's not just their sanity that they're losing it's not that they're like psychotic or that something's wrong with them it's 
you know, like physically wrong with them. It's something that they're like suffering from. It is a condition. It's a medical or it's like a chemical imbalance is a medical phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And recognizing that that's just not somebody who is just willingly like behaving that way and that they can't like and knowing that they can't control that, that is just how their body has reacted to trauma and to traumatic events. I think it's taking away the fact that like, oh, well, you know how people just back in the day, they thought that that's just how they were just acting and they were like, you could just turn it off. Like stop being depressed, like stop being sad Mm -hmm. or stop being, stop thinking about that or stop thinking that way. It's not, it's not like that. And I think there's been more medical understanding of that and more medical professionals are like, no, like this is, it's an imbalance. Like there's something wrong with you or your like wrong with your body, wrong with your hormones, wrong with something your brain function your brain stimulation so i think that's um i think that has definitely taken a turn to the positive as the years have gone on since this book definitely was published oh yeah it's way different now (laughs) i like i feel weird like because you like are going off on these like very like intense like like good like insightful like tangents but then i'm like oh and this quote from the book like (laughs) i'm like do i just like sound like dumb like i'm because i'm just like like a way different angle (laughs) no you don't sound dumb oh my god absolutely i mean this kind of has to do with what you were talking about because um his uh his like um room mate at the psych hospital that he's at for a while mm-hmm. rosewater he overhears him say to a psychiatrist i think you guys are going to have to come up with a lot better or a lot of wonderful new lies or people aren't just ugh, or people just aren't going to want to go on living mm-hmm. again it's like it's invalidating the fact that people are like truly suffering and giving names to he's like and then later on in the book he talks about how um his wife or whoever is bringing him books rosewater and how he gives the history of dresden or right Mm -hmm. and he's like and billy was like i was there and he completely dismisses the fact that he's there he's like he's an idiot He's um, echo, echo, echo something. It's a whatever disease that he said that basically says that people echo whatever it is that somebody else is saying. Um, And that just gives him kind of like the thought terminating. Is that the first time he's in the psych hospital or is that after the plane crash? I don't know. I don't I don't really remember. I can't. I I can't remember either, but I think it's after the plane crash one. Mm. Yeah, I know. Actually, it is after after the plane crash plane crash (laughs) after the plane crash because um his wife had already died yeah during the plane crash yeah so that was whenever he was there and um but yeah he had said that he was there in dresden and he's like no you weren't look he's like no you weren't you've developed uh echo echo something i can't remember i'm gonna have to look it up later but um basically saying that like he wasn't there and then all the nurses tried to get him to like echo back words because he kept saying that he's like he has this he has this condition he has a condition and like you can tell that he's not he doesn't echo it back he doesn't do any of these and like 
I think that also is very signifying of people giving you a diagnosis just so that way you can have something to, I think, grab onto. And people can just identify you and categorize you a lot easier. You're like, oh, you're schizophrenic? Okay, great. You're crazy. You're a psycho. Or you talk to voice, or you hear voices and you see hallucinations. And that's not at all what that disease is. Just those, like, archetypes sort of thing. There's so much more depth to that disease and that mental health, you know, disorder and what else it, you know, mm-hmm. what it is. But it's so easy for us to just slap on a label and be like, Yep, that's what you are. And that then defines everything about us. I'm going to do it again, and I don't want to because I feel ridiculous. Why? Why? I'm going to bring it back to uh, something in the book instead of your prophetic (laughs) shit. (laughs) Okay, bring it back to the book because I'm going on tangents. See, this is the thing that this book did to me. Like, it... I was able to see a lot of like like connections of how it was back then to how it is now to how this kind of was represented to like the general public and to people who were veterans of wars and to like it just made me think on like those kinds of terms Mm -hmm. not so much of like I guess I didn't focus on the story and the details of itself it's just like what the story I not I didn't even focus on anything it's just what the story um, main themes and like really you know large um, points of the entire like book I guess and the purpose of this book really got me down like a rabbit hole of stuff mm. I was like yeah I can see that I can see those connections I can see why that's a big thing I can see why so it goes is just so easy to say and like you know stuff like that yeah so what were we gonna say? Uh, good question. Now I need to to look back because <laughs> I, I was just listening. <laughs> oh Lord. Um, <laughs> I think it's so funny. You're like, well, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> I mean, like, it's I'm like so you sorry. say everything. I don't really have much to add. You know? Yeah. Unless you want me to just, like, repeat back everything that you just said. You can echo, like, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm not going to do. Yeah. Um. Fuck me. I think I'm just on my soapbox now. I think this opened up the fact that I'm very, um, that I can talk about very large theoretical things, I guess. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I can, too. It's just, like, not the vibe I had. For this, for this book, book you know I, th- I think again i think that's what the reason why this book was so um i gave it such a low rating because it was because it made you think about all these giant philosophical things that's why you get it you gave it such a low no rating. i think because for me it was just stagnant like the entire time like that's how i felt like i felt like i was billy pilgrim and i felt like life was just going around me and he's like, so it goes. So he could process all of it. But inside, he's having this internal warfare, like, trying to figure out who the heck he is and whether or not he's real. <laughs> There's going to be some long pauses in this one. I can already <laughs> feel it. Because I just say stuff and she's literally looking at her book and I feel like. 
I'm listening. I just need to shut up. <laughs> I'm listening, but it's like hard for me to listen and then look for what I want to talk about next too. So like there's a natural pause and like me figuring out where I want to take. Well, I have social anxiety then. and I don't like the pauses. <laughs> Live with it, babe. I'm just kidding. Be comfortable in the silence. No, I'm totally kidding. I just don't want it for our listeners. No, I thought it was um interesting how there's this whole insert excerpt i should say mm-hmm. um about how america's the wealthiest nation on earth but the people yes, are mainly but the poor. people are specifically but you poor know what's fucked up is this is written by a nazi that part supposedly in the book i don't know if it's mm. like actual but it says um i think that's a general consensus of america and that's even relevant to today the German major translated out loud passages of, from Howard W. Campbell Jr.'s monograph. Uh, he had been a fairly known playwright at the time, and his opening line was that. And then it says, and poor Americans are urged to hate themselves. And it's so fucking accurate, bro. It's so accurate. It's, it's American uh, propaganda. American propaganda. Oh, Jesus Christ. Sorry, I'm holding this open with one hand and it's difficult. Um, It's a disgrace to be poor. And it's a crime to be poor in America. Just like all these like mm-hmm. sh- things that are like still kind of relevant. Oh, yeah. But still very relevant. I mean, the people talk about how America is a um, third world country with iPhones. Yeah. Water is not free. Electricity is not free. The fact of getting food is not free nor guaranteed. Like, all these things are just kind of glamorized into thinking that we're a first world country and we have very large issues and very basic issues that are, that would say otherwise, I yeah. think. So. And then to take it a whole nother direction, I love how, um, just like two pages later, this part makes me fucking die. Montana was naked and so was Billy, of course. He had a tremendous wang. Incidentally, you never know who will get one. And I fucking <laughs> love that line because it's so fucking absurd. To go, because look at, look at what this book is. It's these fucking horrors of war. It's America is poor. And then two seconds later, he's naked with a porn star on an alien planet. Again, just, like, the juxtaposition in this book of, like, the absurd and then, like, the reality of horrible shit. It's just, like, insane. And, again, it goes back to you can go from the absurd to the real. Mm -hmm. And it's the glazing over detachment and the processing of everything. Like, it's, like, it's both. It's, like, such a dichotomy throughout the whole book. But you also can't have only one or the other. Like, you have to have both in order to stay sane. Right. Kind of. Because, like, you need the funny in order to deal with the shit. Mm-hmm. A coping mechanism. I'm just, like, really focused, obviously, on this, like, dichotomy of, like, detachment and not processing emotion. And then, like, dealing with your shit this time around. Like I said, it's, like, a very different experience this time around. Like. Right. Going right, through this. For sure. Book. But. But yeah, let's uh kind of move move on. Maybe like towards the uh the end when he's yeah. uh, getting older and uh this is when you don't 
like already he's unreliable throughout the whole thing Mm -hmm. but now he says like he wakes up from a dream and that was his time travel Mm -hmm. like the lines become more blurred and it's Mm -hmm. like even less like it's more sporadic more like was like less trustworthy like are you dreaming or are you right like the like like everything becomes blended yeah and then (laughs) earlier i said like choose your own adventure and this is where i finally wrote that i was like this is just a choose your own adventure of how you want to interpret this book experience this book believe Mm -hmm. how this book is going i know um i like it even in like i wanted to share one of my like few little quotes that i had which is at the you know chapter 10 at the very very beginning so this is the the very very end of -hmm. the book and it's like talking about you know president kennedy dying Mm -hmm. so it goes martin luther king dying so it goes and every government gives me account of corpses created by military science in vietnam so it goes and then his father died so it goes and all of that just that just right there i feel like it's just so powerful because it just so it goes so it goes so it goes like it happens it happens it happens like what else am i gonna do mm-hmm. so it goes i kind of want that like tattooed like me and my sister are gonna get it together okay never mind what do you say never mind for because I, I, if it's your sister's and yours and your sister's well you tattoo. can still get it <laughs> yeah, no i don't want to take it away because it's more it's more impactful to you also it's not taking away good lord it can mean something to you my sister and i we both have just always loved this book like we both had that same professor who made us read this book and so we both really liked it since then like i said i stole her co- her old copy mm-hmm. that was like falling apart when i wanted to reread it mm-hmm. um i like sorry keep going no you're good you can say it this last line that i wanted to talk about is that we will all live forever no matter how dead we may sometimes seem to be exactly and um that was if what Billy Pilgrim learned from the tram Tralfamadorian, I'm telling you, no matter how many times you read it, say it, it's so hard to remember. Tralfamadorians, that's what it is, because that's how James says it. Tralfamadorians, yeah, that was that, and I was like, yeah, I mean, like even in death, like you are always immortalized. If you have people here that are still living on this earth and still remember you, you're immortalized in those moments and in the moments that you've lived past that. Forever and always. Yeah. In those time pockets. Well, and then in the philosophy of this book, like, you're just right. really not dead because you're alive in another time and another moment, so. Right. Always. It's a comfort. It's a comfort knowing that, like, the ending really isn't the ending. Yeah. And that what seems like the ending isn't really just that. Like there's Because no he even talks about, like, whenever sad. he does die, it's purple, and then he, like, moments later, he's back. Speaking of which, I so. know for a fact I highlighted that. Let me see. It's like one of my favorite parts of the book. So I want to like read. I think the entire book is the favorite parts of your book. I mean, true. (laughs) But I have certain quotes that mean more, you know? Mm -hmm. Where is it? Um, So Billy experiences death for a while. It is simply violet light and a hum. There isn't anybody there. Not even Billy Pilgrim is there. Mm Mm-hmm. I literally could cry. Like, I don't know. All the fucking, like, quotes that I have from this book, like, hit me so deep. And I just love them so much. And I just feel like they have so much meaning behind them. And, like, another one is, no art is possible without a dance with death. Mm -hmm. And, like, 
example A is this whole fucking book is art. And none of this would have been possible if Kurt Vonnegut didn't fucking almost die in the Dresden fire if he was there or whatever. But or like whatever. Right. But. And then the end of the book is just pooty wheat. Mm hmm. There is nothing to say. And I love that he ends it that way because he talks about how much he struggled to write this book. Mm. Because he's like, what the fuck do I say about how shitty that was? Like, I don't know how to write this. And at the end, he still didn't. And there was nothing to say. Like, right. there's nothing to say about war. You know, I think if you, really, since you really, really like this book, I think you need to read Catch-22. Okay. It's another war book. It's about World War Two, And it's about the absurdity of, like, of the war. And I read it in my junior IB English class. And it was a great book only because of the teacher that I had. Oh, my God. The teacher I had who taught me this book, like, obviously made a very big difference, too. Like, Right. That's what I was saying. Like, at the very beginning of all of this, I was like, um, I think that's the reason why this book is also super impactful and has a very near and dear, like, place in your hearts because of who brought it to your attention to, like, of how important this book is. Yeah. Who illuminated that for you and who highlighted these things? It was like, look at this. Like, look how this stands out and, like, how, you know, this yeah, is what this is Yeah, it's definitely about, like, how he presented, like, what I was reading. I feel like this one, like, I've always, always have felt like I kind of, like, understood poetry and books and, like, all that sort of stuff. Like, I've always, like, had, like, a natural, like, inkling towards it. Mm-hmm. But then... He came in and, like, showed me how to dissect a book like this. And I feel like it was just, like, very eye-opening. So. Right. Um, I think maybe he needed that in your time, in your life, at the moment. And it really he, like, literally won best teacher, like, all the fucking time. Yeah. Everybody loved him. My AP lit teacher and my modern lit teacher. Speaking of my modern lit teacher, I wrote. Also, his name was Mr. Freeberg. If you ever have the pleasure of knowing this man, like, bless your soul. Um. In Modern Lit, we I told you about this book, too, because I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It's called A Good and Happy Child, and I think we should read that for Halloween because it's spooky. I feel like it's like this. No, it's not. It's so different. It's modern literature. So it's But the narrator's unreliable? Yes, the narrator is unreliable, but it's not as confusing as this is. Like, the timeline doesn't skip around. I think it's just this book is very abstract. The vernacular is very modern, obviously, Mm. versus, like, this is older. Mm -hmm. But, like I said, I think for you it's a very concrete book. And, like, the story, for me, it's a very abstract book. I think that's where... I think you see the abstractness of it. But, like, you focused on the story of the person. And I was like... Yeah, you were more conceptual. Yes. That's perfect. That's exactly what I wanted to say. You focused on the actual substance of the the story that was written. And I felt like I like narrowed in on the concepts of why it was written. Yeah. And I think maybe next time if I do read this over again, if I were to give it a try in the future again, maybe then it probably would be a better a better read. But who knows? I mean, you just probably will notice different things because I pointed shit out too. Yeah, but I mean, like, maybe it'll be a more pleasant read for me instead of giving a one star. Maybe it'll change. Yeah. It also helps to, like, understand what's going on, too. Like, 
it's easier to understand when you read it over. Right. Well, I mean, like I said, I understood for the most part what was happening, but at the same time, I was like, okay, but like, why? (laughs) You also read like like, five pages and you were like, "Mm, I don't know how I feel about this book. I already knew like pretty, pretty soon off. I mean, I read up until like 30, 50 pages and I was like, "Mm, my feelings haven't changed. Yeah. So, but, um, but no, I mean, I still like. It's cool that this book is, like, as important it is, like, to you. And I I think that's also why I like this book is that it is so impactful to you. It kind of gives me a little bit of an insight of, like, like the real deep recesses of your mind. Catch me getting 30 tattoos that reference this book. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, literally all all of them. (laughs) I want them all. It's an issue. But uh, next week we're reading... I'm glad my mom died. Uh, Yes. I have to get that on my Kindle. I'm going to read that on my Kindle. Mm -hmm. I have mine on my Kindle right now. It's been really good. So I'm I'm excited excited. to read it and support that woman. I know. I'm excited to see it. Um, Even like the few, the little bit that I wrote right now, it's just, it's really good. I'm really, really, really liking it. Yeah. So, and also, you know, I wanted, I wanted to say this as a disclaimer. It may be because I was still writing the high of our books beforehand that I don't know if I was in the mood to read this. And I think that may have affected my rating and my attention span to have like to have tried reading it because I am very much a mood reader and I wish I wasn't. But no, I totally am, too. It's definitely hard hard. for me too to go from A Court of Mist and Fury to this. Right. Like they're very different. Well, it's like I didn't want to read it. Like I that's the thing is like I didn't want to because I wanted to read the next the next one to that or i wanted to read exactly you know something this but i know how important this meant to you and i'm glad i i'm glad i still did obviously well and i also think it's important that we have like diverse reads and like every once in a while throw in something that's a little more a little less fantasy fairy shit and more like real life like intense kind of stuff i mean we can just be fantasy fairy shit i don't mind that (laughs) for the most part i don't mind but i i don't know i feel like this is something that makes my like brain grow like i like a brain growing book every once in a while well i got a book for you babe because one of the ones that one of my favorite ones is uh braiding street braiding sweetgrass and if you have never heard of it or have never read it please go read it it is a beautiful book it's probably one of the only books that i've ever felt like a true hug to the heart it gave me a lot of hope it gave me a lot of like warm feelings it made me feel like i was coming home that is like one of the only books i've ever felt like that hmm, and i, I would like to reread it again we'll put it on our list we probably should put it for thanksgiving i like was gonna say november november because it's about like giving thanks and reciprocity and a lot of different like mutual um, connections and relationships with nature. So, mm. all right, but yeah. We so, want to hear from y'all. What did you think about this book? Yes. Did, did you, you read it, it in English class? Did you did reread you it <laughs> for this um, episode? Did you um? Were you as lost, not lost, but were you as conceptually profound as I was, or were you actually more like into the story and the prof- like the profoundness of the story itself, like Tori was? Did you give it a one like Maddie or a four seven five like Tori? 
essentially a five because <laughs> yeah. we were on opposite parts of the scale on this one yeah which is kind of cool because we haven't really been on so opposite, opposite sides yeah well maybe for akatar just because i hated pharaoh so much but, true, but um but uh but like this to the point to where i was like yeah i totally got this from the book and like you're like oh well i totally got like this from the book yeah so but it was really cool like sharing yeah, like let us know your thoughts. We want to know what you have to say about this. Yep, always. And um, like you said, or like I've said before in the episodes before this, you can get your podcast um, anywhere. Wait, what the hell am I trying to say? You, you can, can find us anytime anywhere. you get your podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, it's late. Um, follow us. Good books, bad banter everywhere. Yes. You can on follow TikTok, our personals. They're all in the description. Rate, review, subscribe, follow. Thank you. Love us. Like we us. Love, love us. Maybe don't hate us because that's pretty close no, to No, don't love. hate us because we're fun and um, He's like, and you we know want to do this forever. Hey, you, you really don't hate us. It's actually you love us like a lot and you just don't want to like admit it. <laughs> so, but yeah. So with that, we will see you next week. And um happy reading motherfuckers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.